You're listening to the Quietly Ambitious podcast, and this episode is one from before we rebranded. So if you hear references to Creatively Human, that is why. I hope you enjoy the episode. You're listening to Creatively Human with honest conversations about what matters to us and how it really feels to build an online business, put our work out into the world, make an impact in our own unique way, and importantly, to get well paid for it. I'm your host, Ruth Poundwhite, business mentor to quietly ambitious humans. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Creatively Human. Today, it's a conversation all about joy with Danielle Brooker. We discuss what leading with joy means and looks like, the process of getting to know yourself and what feels good, why we don't always choose joy, and what joy means in practice when we're going through genuinely hard times. Before we jump in, let me tell you more about Danielle. Danielle Brooker teaches stressed out, high achieving, big hearted women how to break up with busy for good and still achieve all that they want. Passionate about growth, great coffee and all things well-being, through her coaching she supports women in their 30s to live and lead their lives from a place of joy. You can find her on Instagram at the Daisy Patch Coaching or visit her website thedaisypatch.co.uk and she also has a podcast Let It Shine where I was actually interviewed in season one if you want to check that out. I cannot tell you how wonderful it makes me feel chatting about this stuff with Danielle. So I know that you're going to love it too. Enjoy. Can you talk a bit about why you're so passionate about joy? I know it might seem kind of obvious, but I'd love to dig into that a bit and why you really believe in prioritizing good feelings. Yeah, it's such a good question, actually, because it it feels like a big question. Like I want to rattle off like a million and one reasons why. And when I actually kind of paused for a while to have a deeper think about it, I realized that there's three key kind of points that make me really passionate about it. And one is that some of the my biggest transformations in my life have come from a place of connecting back in with what makes me feel good mm-hmm. and what feels really right for me. And like just taking that approach of like, no, let me lead from a place of joy. Um, and it's cool that you asked me this question because reflecting on that, I was like, oh, yeah, like it's those moments. It's those decisions that made all the difference. One of the other things is that for me, um, I've always kind of been a fairly happy, positive, sunny kind of person. I wouldn't have called myself that, though. It's not something I necessarily thought like, oh, I'm a very happy, positive person because it's kind of normal. Like I was like, I kind of sometimes understand how people couldn't see the world through the lens with which I was looking at it. And it was actually an exercise I did through, um, I think it was an exercise through Marie Folio's B-School, I believe it came up on, which was essentially to go and ask your friends and family what they think your superpowers are and even like past clients and things like that. And one of the core themes that came back from that exercise, everyone kept saying it was my positivity and my sunniness. And I was like, it was then that it really sunk in. It was like, oh, that's true. Like my outlook and the way I approach life is is uh, is unique and it gets me results and it gets, you know, like so that was just another kind of filter that came through and I was like, oh, that's probably why I'm so passionate about it as well is because I, I can see things and I can help people see things in that way as well, I guess. Um, and then the third part, this is the bit that kind of, pulls on my heartstrings and is I kind of um it was twofold like I started to witness these incredible women in my life who I just like thought they were just these amazing people like I just kept I'm like oh they're so full of love and light and like they're doing all these amazing things and for some reason or another I'd watch them reach these points in their life where they would just get really stuck or they would get completely like stressed or burnt out or go through this really horrible period at work or whatever it was. And I could look at them and be like, oh, but like there's there's this amazingness around you. Like there's, you know, everything's going to be okay. Like, or you know, you just need to tap back into you and what feels good and the stuff that lights you up. I could see that. But when talking with them, like it was like they'd lost touch with that um, and they kind of couldn't connect back in with it and I start to to, like this is what I notice with the women that come to see me in my business now as well is like they come to me feeling like 
they are not capable of a change, that they have to stay busy and stressed, that they have to do things a certain way to look like they've achieved or they're successful or something. And they they just kind of are like in this funk. And when they come to me, the very first thing I always see is like, wow, this person is amazing. Like there's so much inside of them. Like I immediately, like so many of them are really big hearted. They're, they're nurturers, they're carers, they're creative. Like they're incredibly creative and yet they are just stuck in their heads. And when I started to kind of really see that pattern emerging and kind of connect all these dots from all these, you know, parts, I was like, well, what it is for me then is it's like the bit, the piece that's missing for them is the joy. The piece that's missing is that tapping into, well, what's right for them, what feels good for them, that kind of, you know, it's the creative juice even. Um, and the more that I can support them to crack that open, the more they kind of, I mean, for lack of a better description, like the more they come alive again. And, you know, for me, that's really, I guess that's what drives me is it's me seeing it, but it's, it's when they see it too, because it's kind of just this like snowball effect from them. I love that. So you've got it coming from your kind of experiences, you've got it coming from your kind of natural strengths and personality, and then the desire to bring it out more in these amazing women that you meet. So there's so much to dig into there. I'm going to start with going back to the first thing you said about when you look back and you saw that some of the most transformational times in your life came from a place of leading with joy. I feel like that's really interesting. And if you can think of some examples, I would be really interested to hear them. Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest one that I always think back to is there was this moment in my life where I was in a really great job. Um, I was studying my master's part-time. My team was short-staffed. I was taking on big projects that, you know, were quite challenging for me, stressful. I was also like thinking, no, I'm going to maintain a social life. Um, I was kind of early years of my relationship with my partner that I'm still with now. Um, like, so there were all these life things going on. Um, and I was, stressed (laughs) and kind of on the brink of falling apart, but also holding it all together. And so I was at work on a weekend finishing off a uni assignment and don't even know how it happened really, but I I sort of found myself searching and Googling um, volunteer trips to Kenya. (laughs) Like, and this is something that has always been a dream of mine. I always envisaged myself going and doing it like some form of international development and volunteering. Africa's got a very kind of special place in my heart and soul. And somehow on that weekend, I found myself Googling this, um, not just Googling it. I filled out an application form. And before I knew it, like a couple of days later, I was, I was on a phone call having an interview with the organization and like booking a trip. Right. Um, And the reason that's a real kind of turning point for me is in that moment, I felt when I was searching, it was like, I kind of, I found myself going, yeah, now's the time. Like I found myself going, well, why not now? Like really kind of going, this feels good. And everything kind of, everything fell into place almost. Like it was like everything that had always stopped me from doing it previously, money, time um could I go away from work none of that mattered in that moment like really what I tuned into was oh I really just want to do this thing and oh it feels great um and like with kind of the short version like without going into too much detail like after that it was the after effect of that because by making that decision in that moment it kind of um it created a lot of movement and momentum for a whole lot of other changes that took place for me um And even literally it was, you know, having that break, it was five or six, actually it was a bit, it was like a five or six week program. And then I tacked on a couple of weeks travel after that. So it was a decent amount of time away from my stressful environment and things like that for everything to just kind of sink in. It was, there was no other reason I was doing it other than I wanted to do it. It didn't make sense. Like it didn't make sense to take time off. I didn't have the cash flow. It was a time in my life where I decided that I was going to be credit card free and I wasn't going to touch my credit cards. Um, Somehow, I don't know how, like it just happened. I just, every kind of step along that pathway, payments were made and 
you know, flights were booked and things just kind of unfolded. Yeah, I love that. And you described it earlier as leading with joy. So that's the thing. It's very easy to lead with (laughs) the kind of all the practical reasons, like you mentioned, your cash flow, your job, whatever. Um, And it's very hard sometimes just to yeah, lead with that feeling of what if I just did the thing that I actually want to do? Yes. Yes, I completely agree. And it is hard because that other stuff is real. Like yeah, it is. when you get caught up, um, like, and get, like, I can get really kind of fearful about it. Like it feels scary to be like, oh my God, where's the money going to come from? And should I, or shouldn't I? And I've had moments like that where I'm like stuck on those decisions and it feels like this huge leap of faith. Um, this particular time for me, it just felt natural. Mm. I'm wondering if leading with joy, it doesn't mean that that other stuff doesn't exist, but what it does is it, because if you just go with the reasons why you can't do it, that's it. You've decided you can't do it. And if you're leading with what feels good, then you think, well, how can I do this then? It's sort of like shifting it to an open thing that maybe there's a way. Yes, absolutely. I 100% believe that that to be true because it's almost like what you do is you put your body into a more relaxed state because for, like, so use that example. Like when, when I started to think about, Oh, this is a possibility. Oh my God. I just pulled out an application form. Like the energy of it was like exciting. And like, literally I felt more at ease, even though I was still at work finishing this assignment, knowing I had to rock up on Monday morning, like all this stuff going on. But I was like, that little burst of excitement and joy inside of me just grew. And so when I focused on that, it was like the decisions were easier because I was focused on, oh, it's going to feel so exciting and it's an adventure. And, oh, my God, there's this thing that you get to do. And I wonder who's going to be in my group. And so, yeah, it kind of the other stuff was there. I still had to deal with life and stress and find the money somehow but it became much more about the possibility of how which is what you just said as well like how can I make this work yeah I feel like this is what happened with me when I went traveling because I had been running my business for maybe three years this was when I was like a freelance copywriter and I just because I was doing this online business I got kind of opened up to the world of like digital nomads and stuff and I, I mean I don't really like that term, but you know what I mean? You know, people who just like take their business on the road and make their money while they're traveling. So you don't actually need to save up all the money before you go. You can make it as you go. Um, and I hadn't even considered that. So just like being in that world opened up that possibility. But even for me, there were still all these reasons, you know, not to do it. But I feel like, um, what was that? Yeah, I just, I kind of thought, but what if we did this? What would, what? could life look like if we did this you know if I said to my husband he wasn't my husband at the time but you know uh, if I just said to him well what do you think like how would how would he take it what could we do in terms of his job and one question leads to another and you kind of follow that path and actually choosing that path led me to just open up the possibilities in my business as well which was very interesting and I had a massive income jump like in that year while I was planning the travels like because I really wasn't earning that much money but obviously I was planning to travel to places that I didn't need that much money but yeah I had a massive jump in my income and I just know it's because I had expanded my brain into what was possible and like consciously choosing something really for us and it wasn't like a gap year because you know we'd already (laughs) finished all our education and we were like you know, our parents were saying things about, you know, buying a house and all of this. And it was like, we wanted to opt out of that for a bit. Um, And so, yeah, there were reasons, but I feel like, yeah, following what felt good to us, it did open up a lot more possibilities. And I learned so much from that time. You know, that was like, it was quite a while ago now, seven, eight years ago. Um, But I've learned so much from that time, so much. And I'm so, so grateful that I did that. Um, and actually throughout my life, I never thought I would do something like that. I didn't think I was the kind of person who did stuff like that. So that was really interesting as well. Mm. I love so much about that example because you, you describe that knock on effect as well. Like, because you were focused on, Oh, how could I make this happen? These other possibilities became more evident to you. Like it's kind of like, almost feels like suddenly you get all these ideas and all these other things can be possible because you did that one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
So in terms of like leading with joy now, like that was quite a big thing you mentioned. Like how does it how does it play out in your everyday decisions in your life or in your business? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give you like a really small kind of fun example <laughs> because it's relevant. We're, we're recording this on a Friday um, and we have a little joke in my house between my partner and me, um, my partner and I, my partner and me, there you go, um, where he calls it uh, Fruit Pastry Fridays. So he's, he's like, oh, it's at FFP today. <laughs> um, <laughs> and what that means is uh, every Friday morning, I tend to take myself to my favorite coffee shop on a Friday, they have my favorite fruit pastry. It's not an everyday thing that they have. Um, and Friday mornings tend to be uh, like, it's just a me time. Like sometimes that's doing planning for work or writing some blogs in my notebook, or um, sometimes it's just reading my book. Sometimes it's just like staring at the wall at the coffee shop. Like it really is, I allow it to be the spacious time. Um, and how that links to me leading with joy is, I know now um, what makes me feel good, right? So when I wake up on a Friday morning now and I'm like, oh, no, wait, I'll just get this task done. Or, or if a client says, can I have a meeting, uh, a session on a Friday morning? I'm like, no, because I know that that spaciousness and my date with myself on a Friday is going to fuel me more. So it's kind of almost like I've stacked up this evidence of that feels really good. Um, in that moment of deciding, do I or don't I encroach on this time or do the busy work or, you know, choose something else instead, I, I check in with that. I check in with that feeling and be like, oh, well, how's it going to make me feel? Um, I mean, that's just a fun kind of small example. So that becomes quite a sacred kind of practice for me because I'm like, well, this makes me feel good, so I'm going to do it because I know afterwards I have quite creative days on Fridays. Like even if – like some Fridays I, I don't do – you know, in, you know, quote, unquote, any work, <laughs> um, yet the knock-on effect from that, like the few days after or the next week, like I suddenly have all these ideas and spaciousness. And also I just feel like a little bit more calm and ready for the weekend to kind of be present with my partner as opposed to kind of racing into the weekend with my to-do list. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I totally relate to what you're saying. The thing that comes up for me is... Yeah, I like how you mentioned like getting the evidence for it because that makes it easier to choose it over and over again because it feels quite hard to choose to create space in your life when, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, your to-do list never ends, right? That's just a fact, basically. You've probably got more ideas than you can ever deal with. And then if you've got kids in the mix as well, it's just like life is busy. It's very hard to choose to like really create that sacred space for yourself, like you said. Um did you come up against any of that? Like, it seems like it comes quite natural to you now, but I'd be interested to see how it was. Oh my goodness. Yes. Uh, so some of that is, some of it is really natural now because it's been years of that evidence. Right. And there are some moments now on particular things where it's not so natural, natural. Like it has to be a really conscious, like, like stopping myself and being like, hang on a second. What are you doing right now? Um, so I, I guess to take you back to like part of that I don't know, evidence collection, because for me, I, I was, so I had this kind of period of like deep stress, you know, burning myself out um, and having to kind of pause and start questioning what I was doing to my body, to my, you know, mental and emotional well-being, all of it. And I realized at the time I was very social. I was always doing things. I had a happy life, right, from the outside looking in, yet some of the stuff wasn't really making me happy. <laughs> like, um, you know, going out with friends every single night for dinner and filling my weekends. Like there wasn't a lot of time by myself. Um, this is all related. I, prom I, I It's kind of on a tangent, but it is related, I promise. <laughs> um, so I, there was this period where I actually got to the point of taking time off work. It's another big kind of turning point for me. And, you know, essentially, you know, going into the GP's office and sort of saying, I can't go into work. Like, I just can't. Um, I couldn't even get the sentence out, to be honest. Like, it just it came out in tears. And she was like, oh, I think I'm going to give you some time off work. Um, <laughs> and that was the scariest thing I ever did because taking time off work meant I had to be alone. Like, and 
she essentially said to me, like, sit at home, read a book, watch TV, but don't only do that. Like, take yourself out, take yourself for coffee, go for a walk. Like, you have to keep moving. Like, incredible, right? You don't always get that amazing, you know, advice from, um, from that one person. So what was really hard for me is not only had I just made this big scary decision to like leave work and trust that like my life wouldn't fall apart without it. I was then left at home all by myself every single day while everyone else was at work. Like had no friends to play with essentially. Um, and so that was the first time that in a long time that I'd really had to sit with that question of what makes me feel good. Like, how do you know? Like I have to start collecting my evidence. So that was kind of, the foundation for me. And I didn't know what made me feel good. Like, I'll be honest, I just didn't because I thought what made me feel good was to hang out with my friends and to do really well at work and have people tell me I'm amazing and to like study and get good grades and, um, you know, to make sure I was saving and paying off my credit cards. Like I thought that's what made me feel good. And, um, so that was kind of, yeah, a starting point. Um, and one of the things I started to do then was, go for a coffee every day by myself and I would take a book and a notebook like a journal I'd started kind of journaling at that point and I would sit there and feel like so so weird I was like what are people thinking of me like is it okay to be by myself should I pretend that I'm on my phone like <laughs> what do I do um and this is I guess this is a long way of kind of answering your question but I I, I guess I want to reach out to anyone that's feeling like oh, like how, where do you even start to know what feels good? And I, I guess I'm saying sometimes you, you don't know what feels good until you try it. But the most important first step is that spaciousness, that actual pause. Like I always say to you know, people that I work with, I'm like, you, you can't create the change unless you've paused to kind of sit with where you are right now. Because so often we're racing ahead to the next thing as a way of almost masking some of those feelings. So that sitting in the pause, that sitting with the, the discomfort and the uncomfortableness, like in the example of sitting at the coffee shop, that was uncomfortable for me. That didn't feel good. Um, yet allowing myself that, that period of pause and all the feelings that came up, once that kind of started to settle, um, then the, the little kind of, it was almost like all the little seedlings started to pop up. And, and, and then I'd wake up one morning and I'd be like, ooh, I really feel like going to sit at the coffee shop. Yeah. Like that's, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and then that was what I started to pay attention to more. Like, oh, what do I want to do today? What will feel good? What will make this feel better? Is it a walk? And I'd literally rattle off all these things in my head. Oh, do I call a friend? Do I go for a walk? Do I go for coffee? Like, and I'd just be like, ooh, and just lean into one of them and just see what it felt like. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I relate to this so much because I've been through times in my life where I've, I can even think of like, you know, doing dry January or anything like that. Just like removing something that I was normally, so like, uh, it's not because I'm an alcoholic or anything like that, but I just like had a glass of wine every night and then I like remove it and it's like, oh, I have to sit with myself now. And it's like, what feels good apart from wine? You know, that was just the first thing that came to mind as my example. But I think it's a it can feel very uncomfortable when you're in that phase really when you if you've been just keeping yourself busy essentially um and that's the interesting thing when you come out of it you get so good at just like just tuning into it and like even now sometimes I go through that list like you mentioned like when you said oh would that feel good would that feel good I do that and it's like really funny that you mentioned that um and I was thinking about this because I think like in business and it's in life as well but it's really easy to think sometimes, oh, I don't want to do that because it doesn't feel good. But I think if you're coming at it from a place of having really spent that time with yourself and gotten to know yourself and been okay with being uncomfortable for a bit in order to get to a better place, it really relates to trying new things in business, I think, because not everything we do does feel good in the moment when we first do it, if we're like stretching ourselves or whatever, but it ultimately plays into our wider picture of what makes ourselves feel good and fulfilled in our lives. Does that make sense? I think it has to come from that place of really being with yourself and knowing yourself first. Oh, I, yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, that point in my life was essentially where I started to actually date myself. Like mm -hmm. I started to, mm -hmm. you know, develop a relationship with myself, get to know myself. Um, 
And also what came up for me just when you were sharing that as well is like that distinction, say, in business where it's like, oh, I don't want to do that because that feels like, oh, like, I don't know. Like, for me, it's kind of that process of untangling, like how much of that is, I don't know, because I'm a little bit scared and challenged by this and I've never done it before and that therefore it's uncomfortable. So I'd never sat at a coffee shop alone before <laughs> um, in, in that way, you know, in my hometown. I will say that when I traveled, it kind of for some reason felt okay because yeah. I was um, – so yeah, in business kind of identifying like how much of that is just, I've never done it before and it's uncomfortable versus actually this doesn't feel good to me. I don't want to do it full stop. Um, and I kind of have this, um, I call it the feeling in my body that comes up. Like I call it growth nerves. Mm, um, uh-huh. when like, you know, that subtle difference of knowing, Oh, like I'm a little bit anxious and scared. And this is about growing. Um, so I'm still nervous but the nerves are about growth. They're not about um, not wanting to do it or like I'm, I'm afraid or I'm, yeah, I'm not going to be good enough or something like that. Yes, I love that. You put it really, really well. Um, and it's so interesting you said about going to the coffee shop on your own was so nerve wracking at first. I'm really glad you shared that because I feel the same. And as you know, I've been spending a lot of time, like quality alone time. <laughs> That yeah, sounds funny, sure. but yeah, like going out, eating alone, walking around, whatever, just doing stuff on my own. And it's so lovely. And I've realized that that solitude is such a key part of, and it's like what you said, when you take, when you make that space for yourself, actually it leads to so many ideas and all of that. It's the same, it's the same for me. And sometimes it feels very, I don't know what's like indulgent, like taking like, as you know, I go to London for the day and I just walk around or I like go to a restaurant on my own or whatever. It feels very indulgent doing that. So not only am I not sat down at my desk, but I'm like getting a train, paying for the train, spending a lot of money going to a restaurant, whatever, or just like taking time away from my family feels very, very indulgent. But I've had to become very, I don't know, like I'm okay with it. Like I don't feel guilty about it. It's part of my life and it's part of my business process it's important to me so that that piece there when you asked me about like how do you know what feels good so like something like that like your London days you said you know it's important to you so what is it that it gives you like how do you know that that feels good to you um I think I I never did it purposefully until I had a child and then I thought I was like, I think the first time I did it, I was meeting some friends in the evening and I decided to go up earlier in the day. And I just, I I was so, it was like, you know, my son was like eight months old and I was just like thrilled to be out for the day, you know? And um, I was just like on top of the world. So I didn't really do it purposefully. I just realized that it felt good. I realized that it created a sense and it's actually taken me a long time to realize why actually. So it's only recently I've realized that the reason it feels so good is because I'm away from my regular responsibilities. So I don't really have to think and worry about my son. Obviously I do think about him when I'm away from him, but I don't have to worry about him. I don't have to worry about my husband, you know, and like this might sound horrible, but I think it makes sense not worrying about spending time together for that time. You know, we're not doing anything together. We're doing things apart. You know, it's just me. Um, And I don't normally have to worry too much about my business because although I sometimes do a bit of work while I'm out, I never really schedule anything really specific. So it's usually a very open sort of work day or it's like a big picture thinking kind of day. Um, So it just clears my head. And I didn't know how much I needed that mental space until I kept doing it. And even then it's taken me this long so my son's two now, so I've probably been doing this for like a year and a half, more intentionally. Um, probably taken me this long to realise that is exactly, it's the mental space it creates. And there's something about going to London versus just doing it in my hometown as well, because London is just so like, you can just walk anywhere and just be in a new place. And just, I don't even have to think very intentionally about where I'm going. It takes away that kind of level of thinking as well. Um, so yeah, I think that's what it is. And it's just it's it's lovely that I get to be able to do that like I'm so thankful that I have you know childcare that I can actually go out on my own it's very very important to me mm. and you know for anyone starting to collect that evidence for themselves so much of that example it, it you know what I'm hearing is like it's essentially what I believe is like joy is a muscle mm. feeling good as a muscle it is, you've yeah. not worked out before so like the more the more you went to London the more you started to realize oh 
oh, I feel so much clearer. Oh, this feels really good. Or like, like you're craving it more, you know, like, so for me, it's like that process of tuning into some of those cravings. Like, why do yeah, I want that? Craving. Like, what? Yeah. Like, what is it that I'm yearning for? And like, what is it that it gives me? And actually paying attention to that instead of being like, no, 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 I can't do that because, you know, I must work all day or like I I have to take care of my child you know like I, you know, <laughs> I'm saying that as a bit of a joke but yeah um yeah like just paying attention to the cravings because your cravings your inner cravings they matter mm. and I think I think we we can very quickly dismiss them um yet they're often the pathway to all of the things that we really want to create in our lives like clarity of mind uh more presence with our loved ones, uh, you know, increased results in business. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's really interesting you mentioned the cravings. So recently I've been feeling this like intuitive feeling and I would describe it as a craving for more space. So although I'm really fortunate that I get my space in London stuff, you know, that's just like one day and I wanted to create more space in my everyday life instead of having to remove myself to create that space. Um, and it really did feel like a craving. And the reason I brought it up is because I was thinking, I didn't know exactly what I needed, but I knew I needed to create more space so that it can come at you from that kind of way as well. And what I've, I'm doing at the moment to kind of explore that, I'm just doing basically two minutes of journaling in the morning and two minutes of journaling in the evening. And what that's doing for me is just making me more, more aware of everything that goes on in between and and also setting the intention every day that I'm going to create more space in my day, basically more fun, more flow, more freedom is what I'm saying. And I've sort of challenged myself to do it throughout February and it's just feeling so good. Just f- noticing that craving and then creating the intention that I'm going to, no, setting the intention that I'm going to create that space for myself. It's it's as simple as that. Um, and it's just reminding me to tune in with what feels good in this moment. And it's sometimes it's different things. Um but yeah, it's it's it doesn't always have it doesn't always come in in a very specific way. If you and and even if like I I'd say I've been exploring what feels good for a while, but I'm still learning and I'm still adapting and tweaking everything as I go. And it's not always a specific feeling; it's just like a craving, like you said, but a general one. And I think the more that we can develop the muscle to tune into the craving, because like the, the more that we can experience what feels good and just to say like I really believe joy has a rhythm to it like it everyone has their own individual beat that works for them and that can be really cyclical or seasonal and change over time so um you know sometimes all I'm craving is to sit on the couch with my partner and like chill out together and then other other days I wake up I'm like that's really I don't, I don't want to even talk to him you know like <laughs> yeah. so it's kind of it, it's I guess it's almost like a permission piece of giving yourself permission to just tune in and know that that's going to change and whether that permission is just space or whether that permission is just to listen (laughs) to what that craving is, it can make all the difference. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about those times when we know that we need to do something good for us and we avoid it. Like, Why do we do that? Because we all do it, right? Oh, my goodness. So a very real life um, example right now, I'll just be really honest. Um, One of the things that I know makes me feel really good and has an incredible benefit to my mental state, my business results, my creativity, my presence with my partner, like all of it is going for walks. And it quite simply, like I live near the river and as long as I go out almost daily for a little walk, it doesn't even have to be long, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, like I just need that break. Um, it just, it gives me so much joy. I've barely been walking in the past month. Like it's just been a weird month for lots of different reasons. And I've been asking myself this question, like why do I keep avoiding it? And I think that there's lots of different things that come up. One, I think we avoid we avoid doing the thing that makes us feel really good when we're not focused on feeling good. Yeah, when we're not focused on what that's going to give us. Instead, we're focused on, yeah, 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 I'll do it when. Or I'll just finish this one thing um, and then I'll do it. Or, you know, like it's almost like that, ex- I, I, like there are excuses on there, like, you know, um, that come up for us or reasons. That's a fancier way of um, putting it. Um, so that can really stop us when we don't focus on, how things are going to feel when we do them and we're more focused on uh, pushing it away or worrying that there's something more important to do. 
um, with some of the other like changes in our life, like maybe it's um, you know that you need to, I don't know, switch your messaging in your business or something like that. And you're, you're avoiding it. You know that if you switched, you would feel really good. Or if you, you switched a marketing strategy, you want to switch from Instagram to Facebook or something because you know that'll just feel good to you, but yeah, you're like avoiding it's it. It's not feeling right the way you're doing it. Yeah. 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 So you know that, but why do you stop doing it? Like, why do you avoid it? Why do you procrastinate? Why do you put it off? And there's a couple of things that kind of come up. It's, I think a lot of the time it's you're worrying what other people will think of you. Like, oh, well, what if I'm only on Facebook and I'm not on Instagram? What will people think? Like, am I a good business person? Like, do I know what I'm doing? Oh, my God. Um, or, I mean, maybe this doesn't relate to the social media thing, but, like, the other thing around, like, we don't think that we deserve to feel good. Mm, yep. That's, prob- that's probably related to my walking example is, like, no, 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 I, don't go for a walk because you haven't done X, Y, and Z. So it's kind of like I don't deserve to feel good because I haven't done this thing that I've told myself I have to. Um, and then sometimes like, it's just, we really want it. We really want to switch social media strategies or start walking more regularly or like change your exercise routine or start having date nights or earn more money in your business, but we don't know how. And so our brain keeps saying, oh, I really want this thing. I don't know how. And then that's the wall. And then we turn around and just keep doing what we've been doing. Cause it's like, oh, wall wall of discomfort. Don't know how turn around. So that's how you get in those stuck cycles. So you just stay stuck because staying stuck as absurd as it sounds is actually really comfortable for you because mm, mm. you know exactly what to expect. You know how to be stuck. You've been stuck for a while. You're just going to keep doing it. It feels safe. It feels, you know, it's normalized for you. Your brain says, yep, let's just keep doing this. This is working. <laughs> I love that answer. So many brilliant points there. Um, two things came into my mind. So you and I were both at uh, an event with Denise Duffield Thomas and it was really interesting when she was talking about how we need to let things be easier and so many times you know people got on the mic and they were like I can't do this because of this and she was like yes you can your brain's just overcomplicating it yes you can and I just thought it's so funny how we want to make things more difficult than they have to be and I agree that in business often it's about yeah worrying what people think is a huge huge thing Um, And you really have to get good at listening to yourself. You have to get really good at listening to yourself. And then it becomes so much easier to tune out the noise of what you should be doing and just figure out what feels good to you. The second thing that came up for me when you were talking about this, and it's sort of like related to not only making the decision to make things feel good, but also like the how of it. So like knowing the how. So an example from my own life is my husband and I have started having weekly marriage meetings and interestingly this was an idea that he came up with not me which I was just amazed by and actually I'll put the link in the show notes to this article that he read about it and the idea is we sit down every week we try to keep it very short Um, the first part of the meeting is we talk about things from the week that have made us feel grateful to the other one which is a lovely kind of energy to get into in the start of the meeting Um, the second thing is we go through like the to-do list so like the boring stuff but it's like it's actually very nice to do that because then we're like working as a team on everything that needs to get done and then the the third part is where this was kind of coming into my mind is that we schedule in good times. So good times independently, good times together. And if you have kids, good times as a family. And honestly, just being intentional about that every single week and Chris going to me, well, what are you going to do just for yourself this week? Because I have such a tendency to just like do something, even if it's not work, it's like, relaxing under the no it's 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 working but under the disguise of relaxing I think that makes sense yeah and this has just made me become so um yeah so mindful of like choosing something that feels good and it's such a simple thing so not only are we prioritizing like making our relationship feel better by literally we've taken like the how out of it and we've just decided this is what we're doing every week to prioritize our relationship and to make that feel good but we're also in inside that marriage meeting we're thinking about what does make us feel good together and independently and it's just it's been it's like it's like one of those things like the thought of having a meeting every week feels like effort feels like another thing to add to my to-do list feels like I don't have time for that but actually it it's just an example of the kind of things we'd avoid but actually would be just make our lives so much better and I love as well like even if it's as simple as 
intentionally saying, yes, we've created space for the good times, but I don't know how to have a good time yeah. in that space. It, it almost doesn't matter because you've, you've, you've put that container in and it's, it's all, it's this process. It's building the joy muscle because it's this process of, um, the more you do it, the more you'll be like, Oh, that made me feel good last week. I'm going to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. also if you don't know how it's kind of like, just keep moving. Like the, the how will take care of itself as long as you're in motion. And I love this um, this uh, metaphor that got described to me, you know, way back in my coaching training. I'm trying to remember exactly which mentor told me this one, but I just love it, which is essentially like to picture that you're you're in like a boat or like a kayak on, on this lake and the water's really murky. Maybe it's got like this layer of like moss over it, right? And movement the more you move and you just keep moving you might not be able to see below you or see where you're going exactly because it's all just covered and but but if you stay still you're not going to see anything it's murky nothing's going to change right you're just going to have murkiness around you when you move when that boat starts to move it actually creates clarity it creates this clearness in the water so you don't actually have to know the how you just keep moving um, whatever that looks like to you uh, like and what I took from your example Ruth is like that that could look like having the conversation about hey let's put some space in our diaries for good for good times this week you don't have to know in that conversation what the good times look like just put the space in and trust that when you get there you'll know a little bit more yeah yeah I love that I love that metaphor so yeah, we've talked about making a decision to lead from joy and like why we avoid that. But what about those times when we're really going through something that's like genuinely difficult in our lives? And how do we approach that idea of leading from joy in those times? This is such an important question because I really feel like um, sometimes if you just think, oh, joy and happiness, you feel, you know, I say to people, I'm not talking about you have to be in that state of skipping down the street with glee every single day. Like that's not what joy is to me personally. And yeah, sure. There are moments like that maybe, but for me, joy is more this, this process of tapping into those feel good uh, moments so that you're strengthening the muscle or you can think of it as building up that tank. You've got that foundation to rest on so that when the challenging times do come, because there will be challenging times in life, full stop. I don't think there is one human being who has escaped challenging times. And I think for me, when you know what feels good to you, when you know how to access your joy, when you're coming from that strong foundation, like you've got the muscle strength, it's almost like those situations you can handle with more grace, with more ease, or even just with more speed. So, Joy does this really interesting thing where when you experience joy, you actually feel really safe. So if you think about like just like a a kind of um, an easy go to example is like if you think of the last time that you took a break or were on holidays or, you know, relaxing in the sun, Um, we're recording this in the UK. So I feel like that's a relevant example. (laughs) Um, Like how, how did that feel to you in that moment? You you kind of got that, you get that feeling of like, I don't know, I put you like a nice warm, cozy blanket, like it's cozy, it's comfortable, it's secure. And the more that you feel secure and you can access that place inside of you, then, then you can make more rapid progress, you know, whether, you know, in that moment or whether it's then you're back having a challenging time. So that's, that's, that's one part of it. The other part of it I want to make really clear as well is that um, when we, numb our like when we don't want to feel things when we don't want to feel the stress the anxiousness the busyness you know the depth of our pain and we start to block that off we're also blocking off our joy we're also blocking off feeling anything and I think of feelings as having this you know there's this broad spectrum this rainbow of feelings and emotions that we can have yet if we're numbing pain we're also numbing joy you can you can't exclude the two. And actually, I, I, I'm not going to even try to paraphrase it. There is a, there's a great um, Brene Brown quote on this where she, she talks about this as well in terms of you can't, you can't just numb one. You can't selectively choose your emotions is how she talks about it. Um, so if you, 
you know, for anyone who's experiencing this um, and having like whatever whatever a challenging time looks like for you, just to know that uh, there's a there's there's an emo- there's an emotional scale that you can access at any point in time, and this is not about going from deep pain to leaping with joy and glee. This is about simply knowing I have access to to this full scale, and maybe today. I could inch just a tiny bit towards that next emotion up scale. And actually, um, Gabrielle Bernstein in her, it's in her latest book called Super Attractor. She does talk about this a little bit more, which, um, I mean, there's lots of different people that teach on this. Um, you could literally go into Google and type um, emotional guidance scale and energy um and you will see all these different emotions. But essentially, it's if you think of things like, oh, if I'm having this like incredibly um, angry day and I'm really frustrated and I'm just in this dark, you know, stuck place and I can't shake it off, it's not about beating yourself up and saying, oh, my God, I'm not experiencing joy right now. I'm not feeling good. So now I'm an even worse person. Like it's about being in that place and going, what's the next thought I could have or what could I reach to right now that would move me maybe from anger to maybe it's like disappointment. Like, and you can feel how that's got like a slightly different charge to it. It's like, okay, like what's just that one thought? Like, yes, I'm really angry. And what if I just like, and you can play around with language here. Like there's tons of different tools. Like, but, but essentially I feel the most important point to know is that there are lots of emotions. They are all ridiculously valid and when you are coming from a place of knowing how to access the higher energetic emotions such as joy, when you have learnt how, then when you are at the other end of the scale, you have um, more of a foundation, more of a practice to get you to step you up. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I've started, I've like looked up this emotional scale before and I find it so helpful because like you said, you can go to that place of beating yourself up when it's like, so for example, if I'm overwhelmed, because overwhelm is such a common thing when you're running your business, right? Like, what should I do now? And I was, I was thinking of it in terms of being overwhelmed. And I was thinking, well, what's the next step up from being overwhelmed? Instead of like thinking, I need to just love everything I'm doing right now. It's just like, what's that next step I can take to just feel a bit better than that or something like that. That's just came to my mind. But yeah, I find it so helpful. And I like how you said, you can't just be selective about blocking out certain feelings. Um, and I think that's the thing, because I've heard it described as toxic positivity online, when it's just that whole, like, you need to be positive all the time, and you're not giving space for that full range of emotions. And I think that that's what does people a disservice, especially when it comes to genuine mental illness and stuff. But I think anyone who's, you know, been in recovery for any kind of mental illness or difficult time will know that learning to tune into yourself and following what feels good is a really important part of that recovery so I think that yeah it's really nice to just like allow the space for those really hard times and genuine like depression and stuff but also know that joy is even a really or learning to step up that emotional scale towards joy is a really important part of recovery and taking care of yourself when you have experienced mental health issues as well absolutely so i've i've loved this conversation so much but i mean we've been talking for a while now and i'm just gonna say i just needed to add this in like when we were going back and forth about what like the key talking points and stuff you came up with some really really good questions and we haven't like gone into them but i'm i'm gonna like read them out now and what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna put them in the show notes because i think that they would make some really good journaling prompts right so the questions are what's the opposite of joy for you which I think that's really interesting what were your three favorite things to do as a kid and how much fun do you have in your life right now how do you do that and what impact does it have and how do you make the big decisions in your life when has that worked really well and when has it completely flopped I really love those questions and I know you didn't put them in there as journaling prompts but I thought that they would be really useful because it's all about, yeah, accessing accessing those parts of ourselves that we don't always pay attention to, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And they actually tie in very well to what we spoke about at the start of our conversation, which was around collecting your personal evidence for joy. So a lot of those questions will help you, guide you, like give you some clues 
towards your your joy factor yeah yeah so they'll be in the show notes for everyone who is interested okay so I'm going to ask you a random question from my deck of random questions before we finish up um the question is what is something you think everyone should do at least once in their lives (laughs) book a trip to Kenya um (laughs) (laughs) so oh I know that you gave me a heads up on this question and it completely skipped my mind. So mm-hmm. I actually really do believe in the power of travel um, in whatever way, shape or form you can make that happen. Travel doesn't have to equal 12 months around the world trip, like infuse travel in your life somehow. That could look like jumping in the car for an hour and going to a random neighborhood you've never been to and sitting at a coffee shop. I just really believe in the power of that adventure, about learning about new places and things, about that experience of being alone or even if you have a travel partner with you. Um, there's so much that it can teach us about our perception of local issues, global issues, and about ourselves as well, like our capacity for joy, our capacity for resilience. Um, yeah, all of it. Mm, I totally agree with that. Totally agree. Actually, I'm just going to go back to Joy because I thought of one more question that I really wanted to ask you. And it is just if if you could give one piece of advice to people listening on how to bring more joy into their businesses, like what would that look like practically? What would you advise them to do? Define what joy means to you in that context. I think a lot of the time we get stuck and trapped when we say we want things in our life and yet we don't actually define what that looks like, what that feels like, how you will know when you're experiencing that joy in your business. So literally stop, give yourself a pause. That could be five minutes, five hours, five days, and just define it. Yeah. Yeah. Get really specific. Mm. Thank you. Oh, I love this chat so much. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Creatively Human. If you have a moment, I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast. It really does make a difference. And if you'd like to carry on the conversation or ask a question for a future Q&A episode, there are three ways to connect with me. On the Facebook group, on Instagram, at Ruth Poundwhite, or my personal favourite, my behind-the-scenes newsletter. Just go to ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash newsletter to subscribe. And keep doing what you're doing, because your work really does matter.